This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody, to Journey of Life 2. Um, there is a modified summer schedule because some people are going away, including me. So we're going to mix things up a little bit. Um, basically, this class and next class, and I'm going to be taking off basically from Tish above through LO. Um, a lot of you, for some reason, haven't yet joined our WhatsApp group. So I was told that there's a very shortened link, which is tinyurl.com forward slash Rabbi Epstein. I don't know what that means, but I guess you type that in and then magically you're added to the WhatsApp group. So you'll figure it out, and you'll join if you haven't been uh, included yet. And if you're not on WhatsApp, then don't join WhatsApp just for this. We'll email you uh, from somewhere uh, to keep up to date with all the classes. All right. So class number two in our series over here is a concept which we touched on when we got to the journey of Midos. But at the same time, I, I want to delve into this a little bit more from the perspective of Archas Yesher, which is a sefer we're going through, which is Ruchayin Knievsky's sefer. So the concept over here tonight is the idea of Gemilas Chasadim, which is doing chasad, right? And we're familiar with this, this idea in so many different ways. And I want to sort of present it maybe with like a little bit of a twist, um, just so we have our, our basic you know, own understanding through the eyes of Rafael Kanievsky how a person should live their life. So the basic obligation, let's first talk some basic halacha over here, okay? What is the basic obligation of a person to do chasad, okay? So there's two sides of this, which I think are very important to understand. The first side of this is that we have a mitzvah of yahafta l'recha kamecha. And this is a mitzvah da'iraisa, that every single person, men, women, children, everybody has a chiyav to do. We all have a chiyav of yahafta l'recha kamecha, which the Rishonim talk about means that a person has an obligation to think about, to daiga, to worry about all the things that you would worry about for yourself, to worry about for your friend as well. And the aspect of chesed is that you're through the thought process, through the internalization process of what that person needs, that you actually go out of your way to do things for other people. And that's the general rule. But we know that there's a Mishnah which delineates specific things that a person is supposed to do in terms of chesed, right? We know there's Bikr Chaylim, Hava Esameis, going to Levaya, Nicham Avelim, right? We know that there's other, like, quote-unquote, mitzvahs that are brought down, and those mitzvahs are, quote-unquote, Darabanan. And Rechem Kanievsky asks, he said, what does that mean? How could you have a Da'iraisa and a Darabanan all mixed into the same thing? And he explains, and I just think this is an important concept to speak out, that there's a differentiation when it comes to halacha between the general idea of doing chesed versus the things that are specifically delineated by chazal. And what does that mean? It means a person is driving down Route 9 and you see somebody of the same gender who's hitchhiking and you decide you're going to pick them up and take them on a ride. That is a mitzvah day, right? So for you to pick them up and take them on a ride. Now, let's say you're sitting at work and you're sitting there saying to yourself, you know, this morning when I was driving to work, there were people standing on the side of the, on the side of the road that obviously needed somewhere to go. So instead of working, I think I'm going to go back. I'm going to pick them up and drive up and down Lakewood all day, you know, giving rides to people who need to get from one side of the lake to the other. You don't have a chiv to do that. Why not? Because your life comes first, and therefore you're not obligated to go crazy with every need that every person may, may want. If it comes to your hand, there's an opportunity, there's something there, then by all means you have a chiv to do it. However, when it comes to the things that are specifically delineated by Chazal, Havayas Hamez, Bikr Chaylim, 
all those things which Chazal say, this is specific that you're supposed to do. In those instances, a person, even though Chayach HaKadim, your own life comes first, you have to view this as a specific mitzvah de Rabbanon for you to do the things that Chazal told you to do. So if you know somebody who needs a shiva call or somebody who's sick and needs, you know, a visit or, or, or any of the things that Chazal delineate, these kinds of mitzvahs are specific that you're supposed to do. And by doing what Chazal told you to do, you're also Mekayim the Deiraisa. So that's the general, I just want to speak that out. That's a general halacha when it comes to the mitzvah of doing, of doing Chazal. Now, now, there's certain beauty that when I was learning in Eretz Yisrael, I noticed about, about halacha. And I think a lot of people view halacha as almost a hindrance to their life. Like I'm living my life and I have all these obligations that I have to do. Like I have to do this. I have to do that. I could do this. I can't do that. It's almost like a restriction. But if you actually think about halacha as being a beautiful guide for life, and as our Berkowitz would, would call it, it's, it's sort of our way of connecting Tashem, of kirvas Kim, like connecting Tashem, then you actually notice that within halacha, halacha is so beautiful. I'll give you a small example. If I said to you, what is the mitzvah? What is the mitzvah of going to, to do nicham avelim? What is that mitzvah? You, you think, I don't know, you go and you sit with somebody and you talk to them perhaps, right? And you talk to them about their, their parent or whoever it was that was lost. If you look in Chazal, the Gemara talks about this, absolutely not the mitzvah. The mitzvah is, the Gemara says, siyag d'nechamta ishtika. When you go to pay a shiva call, shtika, you're supposed to be quiet. Why? I mean, we're here, we're talking. No. Siyag d'nechamta shtika. The essence of the mitzvah of nechama is that you give the person who experienced loss the ability to talk. Your job is to become an empathetic listener. And most people don't think about it like that. They go, I don't know, I have to pay a shiva call. So you get on the phone and it's all awkward and you start talking. Absolutely not the chiv at all. The chiv is to sit there and not say one word. There's a man that I know who lost his wife and somebody else I know went to pay a shiva call. They came in, they sat down, they were there for maybe a half hour, didn't say one word. The person who was sitting shiva looked at them, acknowledged them, also didn't say one word. They were just looking at each other for maybe a half hour, back and forth, back and forth. I was watching it, back and forth. They both didn't say one word. And then the person stood up and said, and walked out. After Shiva, the person who was sitting Shiva, I was talking to them and they said, you know, I was sitting Shiva and had hundreds of people coming into my house. He said, this one guy, and he was referring to this guy, he said, he gave me the most nacham of everybody. He's like, it's amazing. The guy didn't, literally did not open his mouth. He didn't say one word other than I acknowledge your pain. If there's something you want to say, I'm here to listen to you. That's the mitzvah of Nicham Avelim. And most people don't even think about that. You think you have to go, you have to talk, you have to have a story, you have to lighten the mood. Absolutely not. That is not the mitzvah whatsoever. And within the concept of chesed, what comes out is that the idea of chesed is, is I'm going to use the word an empathetic listener, but I would say that that's, in certain things, you have to be an empathetic listener. and other things, you have to be taking empathetic action. It's action that is drived by your empathy for other people. And that's really where it starts from. You know, there's a, a story with, it's, it's, a, it's a story which I've heard in, in the name of many G'daylam, like in story, but I heard the story, I saw the story recently in the name of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. I thought it was just a very beautiful illustration of this. <clears throat> Rabbi Yaakov was asked by a woman if she should go out and she should work. And he heard all the sides of the story and he said, I think that you should stay at home. Okay. A few months later, a woman came back and asked again, should I stay at home? Should I, 
should I go out to work? Listen, he listened to her the whole thing. He said, yeah, you should go out to work. So her husband called up her, Yaakov and said, like, I don't understand. It's the same woman. Like, what happened here? She asked you, Shiloh, once you gave one answer. She asked you again, gave a different answer. He said, no, I, I heard the Shiloh differently. The first time, it sounded like it would be better for her if she was home. And the second time, I realized she was unmotivated at home. She was being burnt out. Her kids were bothering her. And I felt from her that it would be, be better for her to go out. That's, that is chesed. Chesed is, I'm so tuned into you that even though you think you're giving the same question, you're really not. You're asking completely different question. This time the answer is A, and next time the, the answer is B. Because you're tuned in, you're hearing what the other person is actually listening to. So halacha is beautiful. Halacha of chesed, <laughs> excuse me, is not that you are doing things for other people and you're a nice guy, you're a nice girl. No. Is that first, you're actually taking the time to step out of yourself and into somebody else's world. And why is this all so important? Because, and specifically chesed, right? Because we know, the Mishnah says, very famous Mishnah in Avas, the world stands on three things. And really, if you think about it, the essence of the world, right? Chazal tell us, Hashem created a world full of chesed, which it's also brought down in Chazal, that the beginning of the Torah, besides the concept of one of the first actions Hashem does is he goes ahead and he makes clothing for Adam and Chava, which was an act of chesed. And the last part of the Torah is also chesed, which is where Hashem goes ahead and buries Meish Rabbeinu. The fact that he buried him was an act of chesed, which is a chiv for every single person, right? How, of, of, of mace mitzvah, that's something that we learn from Hashem himself. So the essence, the essence, the essence of this mitzvah is really the essence of the world, if you think about it. That's what Rechaim Kanievsky says. The essence of this mitzvah is the essence of this world. And he says, you should know, he quotes different Mamei Chazal over here, that more importantly than a person being makrif karbanis in the Beis HaMikdash, more important than Shlema HaMelech bringing karbanis in the Beis HaMikdash, is an act of chesed that each and every person can do on any given day. That means that you have the ability in your own home to turn to anybody around you, focus on what they need from you, give them something, and it's mamish like, like the kayin gadol being makr of a carbon. Unbelievable. Why? Because the essence of the world, you are mimicking Hashem in his creation of the world. The story of Ramesha Feinstein. Ramesha was known as a gadol in Tyra, but I find that a lot of times being a gadol in Tyra and being a gadol in Midas is also, you know, also has its uh, its place. It's, you find that it's both usually by the same person. But the story goes, and it's also interesting because Ramesha was Ramesha, and Ramesha, you know, it, he didn't he didn't need to sit there and you know look inside when he was reading a Taisvis or whatever it was, but he would open up, he would he would read. He knew many things, you know, about Peth. The story goes that Ramesha was sitting in yeshiva. And he used to sit and he used to say Tehillim. So he opened the Tehillim and he was sitting there and he was reading it. And there was a boy who was not 100%, you know, like a special boy who came over. And he saw the Rosh Hashiva sitting there saying Tehillim. So he grabbed the Tehillim and he turned it sideways. So Ramesha just kept sitting there and chuckling. And he kept saying Tehillim. So then the boy turned it upside down. So Ramesha continued saying Tehillim. And he's like turning the pages like, you know, upside down. But he was continuing to say Tehillim. And then the boy took it and he turned like 50 pages, you know, to like mess up Ramesha. So Ramesha continues saying to him. And there was a man who was watching this encounter and he came over to the boy and he like grabbed him and he said, Luz him up, leave the Rosh Hashiva alone, you know, let him go. And Ramesha like took the man's hand and he like motioned like, it's okay, it's okay. So the boy sat there and then Ramesha finished saying it to him and he gave the boy a big kiss. And he turned to the man and he said, why are you taking him away from me? He was playing with me. This was like a lot of fun. That was like Ramesh's reaction. And, you know, what struck me is that 
so so much when we talk about chesed. Like if I said to you right now, you have to do chesed. I think that most of our brains go to like something very extreme. It goes to like high lifeline or hatzala or chaverim. Like you have to do something that like you know is out there to the world. Like oh my gosh, I, I changed the world or I I help somebody across the street who is sick, an old lady. But that's not true. A lot of chesed really is is having such good midos that the people around you they feel good. They feel good from who you are. You're a person who, when you're around them, you pump somebody up. You make them feel good. You make a nice comment. That's chesed, right? We know that chesed is not only with money. That's tzedakah. Tzedakah is with money. Chesed is with who you are. But the essence of who you are, I think the, the idea of having midos where the people around you are elevated, the people around you get from you a certain, a certain something, that's chesed. And it's one of the greatest acts that a person can do, as we just said. Now, what does it do for you? So Rafan Kanevsky brings down a few things here, which I thought are very important. The first thing is, he says, that you should know that person who's involved in chesed, Hashem listens to your tefillahs faster than somebody else. Do so you want a segula from Rafan Kanevsky? Straight up right here, okay? You're involved in chesed, you should know that your tefillahs are niskabal faster than somebody else. That's number one. Number two, it's brought down, you're saved from chevli Mashiach and you're saved from other things. But the third thing is something which I remember my own Rebbe, Rebbe Yisrael Berkowitz. So when I was leaving Eretz Yisrael, they made a Sudas Prada for me. And it was right around that time that Rebbe Yisrael Berkowitz, he wasn't feeling well and he went to the doctor and he, he was like out of the coil for like a while, a few weeks. He was back and forth and back and forth. And he had a medical scare that he was going through at the time. Baruch Hashem, he's fine. At the time, he was going through a medical scare. And at my Sudas Prada, he was like at one of the weakest points. He was sitting there, but he was really, really, really not himself. And he spoke at my Sudas Preda when I was leaving Eretz Yisrael. And he said, you know, everybody here knows that I'm going through something now medically. And he said that right away when the doctors came out and the, doc- the doctors told him, you should know, we have to run some tests and we have to see what, the- what we're dealing with. The doctors started talking to him and he said, I was really gripped with like a pachad. Like, you don't know what's going to come back on the-, on the results. He said, and I was sitting in the waiting room and I was davening and I was saying my tehillim. And I was trying to just make my own cheshbon anafesh. And he says in his humility, he says, I was going through my life. And I was thinking to myself, like, would Hashem save me because of, like, my, my learning? No. Like, there's a lot of people that learn. Like, was Hashem going to save me because of my davening? It doesn't need my davening. And he said he was making a cheshbon anafesh, and he was slowly going through, like, all the things. And he's, he, he came out at the end. And this was his speech by Maisudas Preda. He said, the reason why I'm going to get a good result is because the world needs me. I feel that the world, the world needs me. And therefore, my motivation in this world, besides my learning, my dominating, whatever, is that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, truly try to live for somebody else. And Chaim Kanievsky says, a person should know, there's the concept of tzedakah tatzal mimavas. That tzedakah, you give money, it's tatzal mimavas. But if Hashem looks at the world, and he's making a din, v'cheshben, throughout everything in the world, and he says, you should know this person, he's judged alone. This person, he's judged alone. And when he gets to you, he says, you're not judged alone. You're judged according to all the people that you impact. I now have to make a din v'cheshben on a hundred people, on a thousand people, all the people that you impact in your life. That din v'cheshben expands a person's ability simply to be alive, to be healthy, to have kachas, to have ability, to have money, to be articulate, to have strength. Because Hashem says, the world needs you. If you live that the world actually leans on you and needs you, you should know that you're judged accordingly. That's, that, was, that was that. Now, there's a medrash. And the medrash says a story. There were two men that were walking along the road, 
And the Medrash says that these guys were travelers, they were businessmen, and they had traveled from one country to the next. And as they were walking, they came to a city. Now, coming out of the city, they see a man walking with a stick. Clearly, this man was blind. And as he sensed that there were two people here, he asked them, he said, maybe you guys could help me out, give me some money. One of them reached into his pocket, gave the guy some money. The other guy, like, waved him off. and it's not interesting. The first guy, the guy who gave money, he said to the second guy who didn't give money, he said, why didn't you give the guy a dollar? I mean, you, clearly, you see the guy's blind. He can't work. He needs help. And the guy said, well, you know him? Look, he's your friend. Like, you want to give him? Give him. That's your, that's your thing. Me? I'm, I'm okay. Like, he waved it off. They kept walking, and they met a man. The measure says that this man was none other than the Malachamavas. And they said to him, where are you going? He said, I'm, I'm out to do my work. They said, okay, great. What's your work? He said, my work is I take people. So they both like realize what they're dealing with. And the Medrash says, he turned to the first guy and he said, you should just know, I have no ASIC with you. Even though really, Ba'atzim, it would have been your time to go. You, you can keep going. You could keep going, go ahead and do your business. Turned to the second guy and he said, you, the world is better off without you here. Like, you're not in it anymore. Time for you to go. And this man, the Medrash says, sat down and he started to cry. And he realized, he said, if I would have the Mida of the first guy, and what's the Mida? Such a small Mida, if you think about it. Give him one coin, one coin, a dollar, 50 cents, $2, $5, whatever the number is. But it was something that was inherent in the first guy that Hashem felt everywhere this guy goes, he's spreading himself out. This honey in this country, this honey in this country, this small guy over here, this ride, this phone call, this smile. That's what this guy is spreading around the world. I can't take him from this world. The second guy, he started crying. He said, this guy's investment in himself was so small, was almost insignificant. And yet when it comes to it's so big, it's so strong. So he started crying and he turned to the Malachamavis and he said, I promise you, if you let me go, I'm going to dedicate myself to be like spreading Hashem's name all over the world. And the Malachamavis said, okay, let me check with my boss. Came back, said, okay, you got a free pass. You can, you can live another day. And he let him, he let him go on with his, you know, live on with his life. It's amazing when we think about it, <laughs> that a person who lives for themselves, a person who lives in their own world, their own bubble, klape shmaya. In Shemayim, we are viewed alone. We're in our own box. It's like a person davens by themselves. Your tefillah is viewed in its own. When you're part of a tzibur, when that tzibur is people that rely on you, when you do things for others, you should know you are viewed as part of a tzibur. You're judged as a tzibur. The question is, how does the world go on without your contribution? You could, you could turn to Hashem almost in your tefillah and say, Hashem, I need money. Not because of me, like, because that's what the tzibur needs. Hashem, I need kaifas, because that's what the tzibur needs. Your tefillah is a completely different tefillah. And even if you can't articulate what it is, if you're living your life with those parameters where it's beyond the four walls of your own home, Hashem takes that into account as well. Now, when I was just in Eretz Yisrael, there was something that really struck me. And really, Tishabav, I want to focus on this idea um, in its entirety. But something that Robert Berkowitz had said, I was just there for Yachikala. And he said these words, and it really, like, it really struck me a lot. I may have mentioned the story briefly, but I'll, I want to give you the ending, you know, over here today. Last year, Rabbi Berkowitz, his Talmidim got together in a hotel in New Jersey. And we were all sitting around the table, probably, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 of us. 
different guys that are out there. Many of them are doing wonderful things for Kali Yisrael. And someone asked if everybody could take a small piece of paper and write down the motivation for what they do. Like, what is the motivation for doing what you do? Whether you're a Makarov, you're a Paisik, you're a speaker, you do counseling, whatever it is, write down the motivation for what you do. And it was amazing because they took all, let's say, I'm going to call it 75 pieces of paper. They put them together and it was literally almost 75 different answers on the paper. Guys that all come from the same place, the same everything. And everybody had different, I'm doing this for my family. They see, you know, I'm living life with a purpose. I'm doing this for my community. I want to live in a strong environment. Like everybody had different reasons for doing almost identical things, something for the claw. And one of the guys got up and he was like, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, I'm literally shocked. I thought there'd be like one or two things. And there's 75 different answers over here. When I was in Eretz Yisrael here, or Berkowitz, he spoke. And he said, I always say my favorite song, right? Persons are created, rock, only to be getting right? to, to feel the Shekinah, to feel uplifted, to feel close to the Ebershter, right? And we always say that that experience that a person taps into in this world, it just stays with you forever, right? It just stays with you forever. But Berkowitz said on one word, which I thought was very interesting. He said, the word that we have to emphasize over and over and over is the word rock. Rock. It's only. Very rarely do you find that this is the only thing. What does that mean? It means that within everything that we do in our lives, there has to be this concept of, I'm not doing chesed because it's convenient for me. I'm not doing chesed because I'm a nice guy. I'm not doing chesed... I'm doing this because this is the Ratzon Hashem. Rak l'sanagal Hashem. By doing this, I feel uplifted. By doing this, I feel like I'm a giver. Hashem created the world in order to give. Created the world in order to give. And He gives us so much. A lot of our challenges that we have in this world is really there just to see if you're able to maintain an emotional equilibrium through all the waves that come crashing over you. That's a big part of why we're in this world. That you could smile and sit back and go, wow. Things are not the way I planned it, but that means that there's somebody else who's planning it. If everything is good, then according to the way I planned it, then who else is running the show? There's somebody else running the show and it's still good. And you're able to smile through all the good. That means that your motivation for getting up in the morning and helping somebody else, the motivation for getting up in the morning and being in charge of your own emotional centeredness and well-being and balance, it's part of your overall rockless anagalashem. Because the same way Hashem is, is equal, the same way Hashem is a nicing, that's what I'm trying to emulate as well. And I think that a lot of people, again, they find outside of their home a lot of opportunities for, to do chesed. But it's well known that Rav Ruderman, Zetzal, he used to sit by the Aguda conventions. And by Shalashudas in the 80s, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky used to sit and used to say like Tyra by Shalashudas. And everyone would sit around and they would sit around and sit around and Abdullah would come and Abdullah would go and Meir would come and Meir would go and Nizman would come and Nizman would go and everyone was just sitting there listening to Rav Yaakov talk. And every single year, Rav Rudiman would stand up and he would walk outside and he would make one phone call. And then he would come back in and he would sit back down. And every year he would go over to Rav Yaakov and he would apologize that he walked out for two minutes. And once Rav Yaakov turned to him and said, like, why are you going? Like, where are you going? What's happening? And Rav Rudiman said, when I'm here on this Shabbos, my wife is not able to come with me. As soon as this man hits, 
I know that she's waiting to hear my voice. I have to go out and just make a quick phone call just to assure her I'm okay. Shabbos was nice. Wish her a good luck. And then I could come back in. Years later, Rudiman's Talmidim, their wives, their wives, when Rudiman was visiting Eretz Yisrael, they asked Rudiman if they could have a special, like a sifa with him. And Rudiman came, he sat down and he said, what's this all about? And the women said, we want to thank you for living your life in a way where your Talmidim know that their wives are chashav. We just want to thank you because we all feel like we are such a priority in our husband's lives that we just want to say thank you for living your life with a certain, a certain awe, a certain fear, a certain respect, a certain beauty to how you treat your wife. And that was the story. And it struck me. It struck me again. Chesed starts in your house. If the people around you don't feel that your emotional equilibrium is, is something that they can talk to, that they could work with, if the people around you feel lacking, even if the rest of the world thinks you're doing something amazing and you're getting recognition for it, then then that, that's not chesed. Chesed starts in the house. And chesed really starts with a person themselves developing true emotional apathy for other people. And then that apathy drives them to visit, to call, to say something, to not say something, to do something, to be there for somebody else in a way that is good for that other person. It's not selfish at all. It's not selfish at all. Hashem gives each and every one of us what we need. And we each need something totally different. That's chesed. Chesed means that today you ask me this, so the answer is this. Tomorrow I feel that you need something different, I give you something different. And if a person is able to do that, they're able to tap into what it means to be alive. Not just be alive in, in the sense that you feel so accomplished, because I think that in a, in a certain sense, a lot of this is not so glamorous. It's not. You don't feel like you're, you're, you're out there, like, oh my gosh, like everybody recognize. No, that's not what it is. Nobody will recognize you. Nobody will take pictures of you. But in your own home, you'll build something that's so real. And I think that more importantly, in your own life, in your own emotions, there's a certain, a certain sense of, I care for other people, I feel for other people, and therefore you're needed. And ultimately, we know that one of the primary drivers for Avram Avinu discovering the Abishar was the idea of Mahu Afata. That's why Avram Avinu excelled in Chesed. Mahu Afata. If the whole world is created, that's why Hashem created the world. Avram Avinu said, I have to excel in that Midah. The Midah of Chesed is that you get up every day and you say to yourself, How do I, what did I do for somebody else today? How are the people around me relating to me? How was my emotions today? Was I somebody that was like okay to be around or was I like all over the place? And if you could answer all these things positively, then you're living the best life that you can. If you can't and something that needs to be rebalanced or revisited, then it would be a very good idea for somebody to do that. And you'll find again that the people who are all involved in, in Tyra, like I was reading stories of, of different G'daylim and I was like, I'm, I'm shocked over here. You would think that the stories would just be, he sat and he learned his whole life. And it's not, it's literally every interaction with every person, they made everybody feel like a million dollars. Everybody, everybody felt like a million dollars. Even Chaim Kanievsky, he's known, he's known for his asmada. The story goes, Rav Chaim was sitting in his house and he was looking at a, a paper of somebody who wrote him a shayla. And he was just sitting there and he was looking at it. And one of the grandchildren said, Zaidi, are you, he said, yeah, I'm having a very hard time with this, with this question. They said, what's the question? He said, it's very schwer. I don't know how to answer this one. So the, the grandson came over. He looked at it. He saw it was written in a child's handwriting. And it was a kid who asked, who asked the question. He said that the Pasuk says that there were parais that came up by Paray's dream. And it says that the parais came acharehen. 
And he wanted to know why is it that the diktuk says acharehen and not acharehem? That was the kid's whole question. It was like a nine-year-old kid. Why does the Pasuk say pares acharehen and not pares acharehem? If it should have been feminine versus masculine, that was the kid's shayla. So Rechayim Kanevsky is sitting there staring at this, at this kid's paper for a number of minutes. And the grandson came over and said, Zaidi, you know, just whatever. So Rechayim said, no, you don't understand. I have an answer. When I read the, the Parsha, I had an answer to this. But my answer is too deep for a nine-year-old to understand. So I'm trying to think, how do I dumb down my complex answer in Diktuk so that a nine-year-old will be able to understand it? I don't know if I could. So he said, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to formulate it. So then finally, after a few minutes, he, he wrote something and he said, send this back to the kid. So the grandson looked at the paper and it said, because Paroi didn't speak Hebrew. That's what Chaim wrote. It said Paroi didn't read Hebrew, so the puzzle could have written whatever it wants because it was Paroi's dream. It was cute, you know, like... I don't want to say, but like with the smiley face emoji, but that was Rechaim's, and that was Rechaim's answer. He was also known to be funny, right? There's a certain beauty to this. You're talking to somebody else, you have to talk to them. When somebody has an issue, you have to relate to them. That's chesed. And, and you find this way, the biggest people, that the people who left them, there was a certain, a certain smile, a certain, it was just love. It was just love. It was just love. That's what it was. It was all just love. And if a person doesn't feel that, then there's something wrong. The Tyra is beautiful, it's sweet, it's nice, and a part of living our life with Tyra is all about that. I'll just end with one thing for those of you who were not there. Rezekhari Wallerstein was known, um, he had one class, which I thought was just a, an amazing thing, where he used to come in and he had different pictures of rappers, you know, like with their chains and their guns and whatever, and they look like they're ready to murder somebody. And then he had pictures of like Rav Pam and Rav Chaim and the stipler, different gedolim, and he would just hold them up, and he would just say, you tell me, who do you want to be like? You want to be like this one, smiling, sweet, nice? You want to, this guy looks like if you met him in an alley, you'd run for your life. Like, whose music are you listening to? Whose ashkaf are you listening to? Whose nation are you a part of? If we could internalize what it means, that part of being a yid, right, is rachmanim, baishanim, and goimle chasadim. It's part, literally, the essence of who we are. And if we tap into that, we realize that halacha guides us and halacha gives us a perspective on how to do everything in our life. And a big part of it is making sure that before we go to bed every single night, we ask ourselves, what did I do for somebody else? And if you're laying there in bed and you cannot answer this question, I implore you, send a text to somebody who will see it in the morning. Say something nice to them. I was just thinking about you. I hope you're doing well. just want to check in on your day. Anything. That is chesed. You don't have to send any money. You don't have to sell them anything. You don't have to donate to any campaigns. The easiest thing in the world to do as you're laying in bed in your pajamas, you could literally be tapping into the essence of what it means to be a yid. That's it. That is the idea of living the present. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.